Welcome to the Excellence in Industry podcast hosted by Caprock Partners, where we discuss all things industrial real estate. Well, welcome everyone. Uh, we're again joined by Javier Wasiak from JLL Las Vegas. How's it going today, Javier? Uh, it's going pretty well. Thank you, Nicholas. So I thought today we'd talk a little bit development, development in Las Vegas and most specifically North Las Vegas. Uh, Caprock obviously has two major projects going on. Uh, Caprock Interchange Industrial, which is just finishing up, and then yeah. Caprock Tropical Logistics, right on the other side of the 15. Yeah. Uh, but we're by far not the only thing happening in North Las Vegas, and that's uh, that's a market that's really taken off of, of big box industrial. And so uh, kind of figured I'd ask you to chime in on that in the last three years and what you've seen really in that market. Sure. Um, well, you know, Las Vegas, historically, uh, pre-recession, so, you know, these were the, the kind of the biggest uh, and best years for Las Vegas uh, up until the recession was delivering about five, five and a half million square feet per year. So we've been on par for that uh, since the recession, kind of beginning around 2014 when we finally, us, Sacramento and Phoenix, crawled out, right, of the recession, and um, and we've been going strong ever since. Uh, to compare that to today, you know, we've got about five million square feet under construction. Depending on what you count as planned, probably another eight and a half million square feet that uh, is planned. Of that, and eight and a half million square feet, about six and a half million square feet to North Las Vegas. So yes, you know, North Las Vegas has been the target of majority of the industrial development across the valley. And for good reason. It's where land prices are the least, lease rates are the least, uh, the uh, labor is considered most big box friendly. And it's been the reason that the Amazons, Bed Bath Beyonds, Fanatics um, have located there. So for Las Vegas, it's been a, a bit of a renaissance. I can tell you that this last cycle has uh, fundamentally changed our market from one that was always a, a strong regional, Southwest regional player, um, and, and enhanced, I think, that position, but um, uh, also expanded it uh, in you know, blocks of space. Uh, we're you know, now, for us to consider a half a million, 600, 700,000, or even a million square foot tenant is not unheard of, or in the past, uh, we were just not nearly as competitive. So really strong times. With a lot of that growth, you have a lot of um, bumps and you have a lot of growth pains. And I think one of the things that we've seen as we've looked at land in the North Las Vegas market over the last, call it two, three years, is infrastructure issues. Much sure. like you're going to see in a lot of development, water, power, sewer, um, in a lot of sites that we've looked at, you've had power lines running through that you would have had a underground. And some developers have taken on that risk. Some users have taken on that risk. Sure. But I think one thing um, to touch on, which you didn't mention, uh, that's been great about North Las Vegas and that growth is the mayor and the sure. economic development. The and they have been amazing to work with from a developer yeah. standpoint. And they have been very accommodating from a tenant standpoint as well. You want to touch a little bit of on that and how that's really kind of benefited the tenant side? No, of course. So depending um, on what you know about Las Vegas and, and where you land in Las Vegas, you're dealing with any one of four different municipalities, right? So you're either the city of Las Vegas, city of Henderson, 
um, City of North Las Vegas or the balance of the valley, which is unincorporated Clark County. And each one of those municipalities has its own zoning, building codes. And by far, the City of North Las Vegas is regarded the most tenant and uh, developer builder friendly. And uh, they've been able to really capitalize on that and really invite tenants to come out the community. Um, and that's all spearheaded by the mayor, but in no small way is supported by their economic development team, Gina Gavin and Tenny Sheridan, Terry Sheridan, who do a great job of outreach, helping guys like me uh, on the brokerage side and also developers not only get deals done, but talk to the right people and, and do it in a, a quick and kind of an expeditious manner. So, um, yeah, they're, they're wonderful to work with. So one of the things that I know you focus on a lot outside of the developer side is uh, really focus on some larger tenants and you've done some pretty large deals over the last year. What are you seeing in Vegas as a whole um, as far as what tenants are looking for? When, when I say that, I mean specifically kind of on tenant improvements, on building characteristics. We're always talking about building for the future, but one thing that we've seen as a developer, uh, especially in the Southwest market, especially in Phoenix and Las Vegas, is that tenant improvement costs are rising sure. and rising pretty healthy. Uh, in Inland Empire, we look at, you know, between 3 and $4 maybe on the top side. In Phoenix, Las Vegas, that's pushing 9, 10, 11, 12, up sure. to 15. So what have you seen from some of the tenants that is that it may be more specific to this market? Sure. Well, first of all, I mean, we are in the middle of the desert, so you probably see it in Phoenix somewhat. We're our buildings, 93% of them more or less are evaporatively cooled. So that adds some cost. So depending on that and, and lighting, we usually like to understand that about 4 to $5 a square foot is going to be committed to that. And then the balance of that 9 to $10 a square foot TI allowance that is generally granted a tenant these days is going to include about 2,500 square feet of office improvement. And that's an area that we've seen a lot of uh, growth and costs, right? So we are used to, we used to quote 80 to $90 a square foot. Well, today 110 sounds a whole lot more reasonable. And um, so of course we're seeing that, we're seeing a lot of tenants uh, really increase the size of their office footprint uh, to closer to four or 5,000 square feet. So sometimes that becomes an economic factor. Of course, you're seeing it just as we are that a lot of tenants are demanding more trailer parking. That's becoming a bigger yeah, driver sure. and a, a bigger differentiator. And we're also seeing, um, you know, in my opinion, there's there'd been this trend to really try and maximize the site, minimize parking to call it, you know, half a space per thousand, where we're seeing a lot of tenants push in the other direction, you know, closer to one per thousand or sometimes in excess of that. So that's becoming a greater consideration. Um, and, and that is a challenge given that land costs across the entire valley, but in also North Las Vegas, are the highest they've ever been. And, and to your point, because we are very much a land-constrained market, the number of sites that we have in excess of 20 acres is small, and in excess of 40 acres is almost non-existent, uh, you know, not to mention 100-acre sites. Um, it's, it's made it really challenging. The sites that are left have hair on them. You know, if it's not soil conditions, it's drainage, uh, if it's lack of power, utilities, it's infrastructure. So um, it's very difficult anymore to create real apples to apples comparisons between sites without really digging in. And that's, and that's what's really prompted 
the push to, to kind of look outside the immediate valley. So let's go back to something you just mentioned, which is the land constraint uh, element here in Las Vegas. And sure. I think a lot of times when I talk to people in other markets, they don't understand that. They don't understand that you guys are probably almost built out in the next three years. And sure. it's really because most of the land is owned by the BLM or Bureau of Land Management. So talk a little bit about that because, you know, when you look at the Southwest market, it's infill. When you look at North Las Vegas, it's getting there. Um, but let's talk a little bit about how constrained the land supply is here. Sure. It's, um, it's easy, you know, if you hop on Google Earth or you take a flight over Las Vegas to look out and see nothing but desert, and you would think that there's an ample amount of land available for development. Well, the the truth is, as you stated, that when you take into consideration the BLM property as well as state-owned land, you get to about 80 or you know 88 or 90 percent of the entire state is owned by the federal government, and the balance of that land uh, is private. And, and the process that's currently in place to put that public land into private hands is very cumbersome and, and riddled with risk. Uh, and developers being risk averse. Uh, not wanting to show up the day, you know, of an auction, uh, understanding that you're going to have two or three other competitors and they're likely to be residential developers. Um, it's just not a very developer-friendly process. So we still have a lot of challenges there. What's what's left are really a lot of sites that just hadn't been purchased before uh, for, you know, any number of reasons. So, um they present you know, pretty big challenges to developers today. So for all those who aren't familiar with the Las Vegas market and you're coming from California, the 15 really kind of intersects the valley. And yeah. as you come into town, you really kind of hit Henderson first, which has taken off with development in recent years um, and is the closest to California. So when you're looking at turns from the port, uh, that's going to be the most appealing. Land's sure. obviously been more expensive there. Um, but then as you go out to North Las Vegas around the Speedway, which is where most of your big box is, that's really starting to get gobbled up. And land's really starting to, um, I guess, be uh, owned by large developers, whether they've already gone vertical or they've got plans to go vertical. Sure. So the next horizon is this area called Apex. And it's an area that we all joked about yeah. for the last two, three years. And there's been some trailblazers talking about Apex and some naysayers and but either way with like you mentioned the blm owning so much land and controlling it apex is the next stop so talk a little bit about apex some of the issues and kind of what you see on the horizon sure so apex uh has been a developing story now for gosh i'm probably a little off but 12 to 15 years and it was I think seen, especially by the city of North Las Vegas and some others, as really the next step in industrial development, uh, especially for North Las Vegas. And it all began with this desire to move some of the heavier industrial uses in the valley outside of the valley. And, uh, and they had some early success with that, with some power generators out there. And and then it went quiet. And a large part of that had to do with lack of infrastructure, utilities, specifically water and power. And it also had to do with the fact that 
there wasn't enough of a motivating factor yet to bring people out there. It lacked labor. It lacked, you know, features, amenities, everything to draw that half a million square foot or million square foot user out there. Well, today things are different. As you pointed out, we're very much in the land-constrained market. Uh, there aren't very many sites, especially of anything over 40 acres. So those larger occupiers, if they want to be in Las Vegas, if when they sit down with FedEx or UPS uh, or their site selector, you know, the, that pin, more often than not, regionally southwest, is dropping in the Las Vegas Valley. So to try and create opportunities for those guys, I think the city of North Las Vegas was really forward-thinking and putting together a plan to bring water out there, and that's been under development. The first phase, um, uh, if it isn't already finished, I think is due to finish in the next in the next few weeks, as I understand it. And then they have subsequent phases that will take them out for about two, three years to bring water to the rest of Apex, which in total, I think you can put together roughly about 23, 2,500 acres. So there's quite a bit, uh, and I think actually it might even be larger than that. So you have the ability to not only meet that 50, 100-acre occupier, but even to go as high as, as 500 acres out there. H.R. Reed, uh, who bought the former Faraday site of almost 1,000 acres, is right now actively engaging with occupiers and uh, responding to RFPs for land purchases. So I really feel the time is now. I, I do think that within the next two months, We'll be able to make some good announcements about some larger occupiers that uh, have certain sites under contract uh, and should be closing on them. And I think it is with the uh, landing of these occupiers that, you know, more development and potentially even speculative development could follow. And that's always been a little bit of the golden apple out there is when speculative development will land. That's a, probably been the biggest unknown. Last question. Do you see speculative development getting done out there, or do you see it more owner users that are going to buy, whether they're large corporations occupying, building a campus, sure. a manufacturing facility, distribution facility, whatever it may be? Do you see it being more owner user driven, or even build a suit, or more speculative development over the next three years? Yeah, I, I do see speculative development out there. As a matter of fact, uh, there is a developer who's planning a 630, I believe out at the southern end of Apex uh, in a project called Miners Mesa that's had some real strong occupier activity. So I see that as kind of being the, the first step. And then the balance of Apex, I think, is going to be pretty close behind it. So I do believe in the next two, three years, you know, you're going to see a number of developers that are going to take a bite. Perfect. Well, Javier, I appreciate you taking the time again to be on the show. My pleasure. Always fun. Thank you.